Hello and welcome back to Culturally Conscious, a podcast for those who are incessantly curious about the world around them. My name's Alondra Avalos. And I'm Rebecca Lang. And here we'll mindfully explore the human experience through the lens of culture, consciousness, and compassion. So Miss Becca, why don't you tell us how your human experience has been these past few days? I've been doing quite well, I must say. I just got back from camping and that was quite a humbling human experience. <laughs> it actually really wasn't um, that bad. I mean, I say that bad. It was amazing. It was truly so wonderful. But I've, what I've learned about myself as of late is that I love camping, but I'm not a person who can sleep on the ground or <laughs> anything that is less than like a super duper comfortable bed because the whole next yeah. day, if I don't get a lot of sleep... It's just, it's miserable for me and it's miserable for everyone around me. So I was worried about that with this trip, but. Was the bed that you were sleeping in comfortable? Like, was it like. It was so comfy. I was shook. So I stayed and basically it was kind of like a cloth tent up in Big Sur, California. Big Little Lies moment. We did go across the bridge. We did beep beep. So, (laughs) so we stayed in these beautiful tent cabins and they had basically wooden floors and wooden bed frames and there was you know a little bunk bed it was super cute and I was even I was able to do yoga on the floor without hurting myself without being on the the cold hard ground so yeah I really I I got all the sleep I needed I was awoken by the birds the sunlight streaming into the tent so it was very nice and I I feel like I like camping because you just have you just kind of have to survive like that's your only main task is like continuing to live another day (laughs) you know what I mean that sounds terrifying no no but it's like it's nice because I feel like my brain is always like "Ah!" there's like always a problem there's always a million things you have to be doing you're wasting time but when you're camping the things you have to be doing are like make fire so you have heat for you and your family and your friends or like yeah. catch fish if you're catching fish I'm not catching fish so or you know going to make food heat up soup that you brought I mean I really feel like I'm going mm-hmm. back to the ba- the basics of what our ancestors lived through when I go a little camping. cave girl moment um, yeah me just caving it up an earth girly yes back in her element absolutely <laughs> smelling like it that's for sure I didn't take a single shower girl. for like three days it was so gross but it oh. was worth I like reeked so much of smoke but <laughs> the fire smoke I mean a little bonfire moment it was so fun and I think like in my waking life, my waking life, my, my <laughs> I don't think about it when I'm dreaming, but in my normal life, I'm not thinking that much about fire. Like, I know it exists. I know it's helpful, whatever. It's cool. But then when I go camping, it's like, all I do is think about the fire. I'm like, okay, how are we going to get it started? How are we going to bur- take it out? Like, how does this even work? It's just like, <gasps> the fire breathes because it needs oxygen. I'm like, hey. I breathe like the fire and I have so much God. I am fire I was like where does the fire end and I begin you know I just feel like it's good for that's so funny at least for me personally it's very good for my brain to just be out in nature living my my mm-hmm. best um cave woman life but not true cave because I need a nice soft bed yeah I feel like I I don't I don't know I don't know if I could like even that sounds like I guess more doable than like camping on the floor because I agree I can never sleep on the floor I'm just mm-hmm. not that type of girly no um however I do like luxurious amenities I feel like I'm just so I'm such a princess you are well I think like you and I love comfort more than anything kind of like that's that's one of the most important elements to us having a decent day. You know, we just have to be comfy cozy. <laughs> and sometimes when you're outside in nature, that's the last thing that you feel is comfy cozy. And it's hard. It's hard to do that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but it is worth it because nature really is so healing. I mean, yeah, I'm sure it was so beautiful. And I'm sure you guys went on like amazing hikes and did. Well, we didn't do that. <laughs> No? We didn't go on a single hike. I don't know why. I think it was because... What? Well, we, like, walked around the campsite a lot, a lot but okay. we didn't go on a specific hike. But we spent... Because we were only there for, like, three days, and, you know, okay. two of the days were pretty much just driving. So, mm-hmm. one day, we just went, and we, like, played in the river, and we didn't bring an inner tube with us, and we were like, we're not going to buy one. That's, you know, whatever. 
But then we saw this family playing with their inner tubes, and there were basically, like, little rapids that have formed on the river. And so we were like, all right, we're going to get one. So we got one, but then I <laughs> I hit my butt on, like, a huge rock on the way down. I was like, I am no uh, longer getting in the inner tube. <laughs> I've injured myself. Oh, no. But it was still, oh, no. it was so much fun. But you went to a wedding. I did, yes. I went to Northern California. Um, well, actually, I kind of had a week of vacay, which was so freaking nice because I feel like I've definitely been feeling a little burnt out at work at times. I feel like I definitely need a monthly vacay. Yeah, you do. Um, but so, yeah, I spent like some days with my family, with my nieces, with Arlene. It was really great. And then my coworker and I uh, flew up to Sacramento We had this um, breakfast at this place called Bacon and Butter. I'm sure you can imagine, right? So (laughs) it was just (laughs) so... This is the worst combo of foods ever. Gross. I know. Okay, so I ordered biscuits and gravy, and it was bacon gravy. Oh, my God. Delicious. (gasps) Yum. I've never tried bacon gravy. I've never tried it before that either, but I was like, bacon and butter, what am I supposed to do? Not try it? Mm, No. (laughs) And then... (laughs) Absolutely not. Not acceptable. And then... (laughs) Rebecca ordered, oh, other Rebecca. <laughs> not me, guys. <laughs> not her. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Anyway, um, we're broken up. <laughs> Don't apologize to them. Apologize to me. <laughs> anyway, shut up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. God damn, it's an abusive relationship, guys. I'm just kidding. Anyway. Um, okay, anyway. So, so, yeah, how was Rebecca? Well, she ordered way? a really good sandwich. <laughs> she ordered, like, a shibata. Of course. You know what? Of course she did. Yeah, it was good. I mean, sake. she's also an earth girly, so I feel like she appreciates, like, good food, good, you know, all of that. But she's just a girly the quali- who gets it. The good, yeah, the luxuries of life. So she ordered this, mm-hmm. like, shibata, bacon, gouda, I don't know, super yummy sandwich. And then we ordered this, like, French toast, this peach, like, crumble brioche French toast that I'm, like, Mm. salivating. Every time I think about it and every time I, like, tell people, like, oh, my God, we had breakfast at this, like, really good place, I, like, salivate at the thought of this French toast. I've never had something so good in my life. It was delicious. It had this, like, 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 syrup, like, goop on the bottom that you would just dip it into, and it was, like, crazy crazy mm-hmm. just anyway i feel like i would go back to sacramento just to eat at that place <laughs> again so let me know if you want to go <laughs> okay sack trip, sack to go trip. To i mean it could be like a little um like detour or like a little uh whatever we could plan like a northern california trip again um we, yeah we could plan it just for that yeah i <laughs> mean there's a lot the there's a lot up there like there's lake tahoe because we were not far from lake tahoe actually um, I think it was only like an hour and a half away because we stayed at in that city, Auburn. I didn't realize that when we went to Lake Tahoe, we stopped in that city with that little cow cowboy. That's where mm-hmm. we were staying. And then we were driving around. It's a very sleepy town. They go to like they close all their stuff at like all the restaurants are closed at eight. The like shops close at like three or four. Um, and we were like driving around at night and I see the little cowboy kneeling and I'm like, <gasps> Oh my god, we've been here. I've been here before. <laughs> it was very funny. I've seen that face before. I've seen that guy. I've seen that nail. He's in my dreams every night. <laughs> and I was pretty sure I took a picture of him, but I guess I didn't. Anyway, and I didn't take a picture of him this time. <laughs> Damn it. Now I have to go back and take a picture of him. Damn it. With him. Well, I, I think we can we can plan a trip. Now we have two reasons to go to NorCal, mm-hmm. so... Yeah. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I know. Seriously. We have to go. And then, yeah, no, but after that, we went to the wedding. The wedding was so freaking cute. That was, like, the first real, I feel like, wedding that I've been, like, American wedding, I guess, because I've only ever been to Mexican weddings. It's very, like, drink it up, party it up, get wild, get crunk, shake that ass. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But the American (laughs) weddings are so, like, I feel, like, wholesome, Every, it was very, like, the speeches, the love, the sharing the moments, and I don't know. It was so wholesome, and I was, like, such so in awe of, like, I don't know. I've never been to a wedding like that, so I was like, oh, this is so beautiful. Like, it makes my heart feel so, like, warm and happy, like, seeing how much love there is in, like, this room and 
how much like each family loves each other and how like the bride and the groom love each other and it just like made me feel really like happy and stuff and for a long time I was like I don't know if I want to get married I don't know if I need that but after being at that wedding I was like I want to get married like this is so beautiful (laughs) yeah no I've been I've been saying for years I'm not sure about marriage but I'm certain on a wedding because I really would love to have a wedding or just Mm -hmm. a big party where I invite all of the people who are closest to me and we all just celebrate I mean not just me but you're kind of like, especially as the bride, and if you're having a more like heteronormative kind of vibe, I feel like the bride gets all the attention. So I think, you know, ever since I was a little kid, having a party that's just kind of all about me. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I <laughs> so know. I know. Hello. Do I that. live for that. I mean, I feel like. You okay, do, but maybe... you don't, though, because you're quinceanera. Yeah. I feel like. I was going to say, I feel like I wanted it like a bat mitzvah so badly when I was growing yeah. up, or a quinceanera. Obviously, I wouldn't have had a quinceanera. That was not within my You could, you want. I, I feel like I should, I should still have one. <laughs> maybe I should. Maybe I should have like a 25. You're 25th. Yeah, your yeah. 25th should be a quinceanera. <laughs> I'm finally like ready to give myself to God and to like a man. <laughs> She's becoming a woman. Me at 25. <laughs> take some people take some people an extra 10 years. <laughs> That's so funny. But I'm finally ready to give myself over. Wait, yeah, can you have a bat mitzvah though? Yeah, you can have... It's called a b'nai mitzvah when you have one later on. Uh, but yeah, you can have it whenever you want. What are you doing? So, I... Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm planning my quinceanera. <laughs> yeah, planning my... <laughs> what, you want me to have two parties celebrating me? That's- Sounds great. Okay, let's start planning. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a fun time to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. All right. Maybe I'll have like <laughs> quinceanera one year and then like a bat mitzvah afterwards and then like, I don't know, go to another culture and take the <laughs> appropriate their thing. Well, you know what's funny? I have cousins that had a quinceanera when they turned 15 and then they had a sweet 16 when they turned 16. So I'm like, what's the truth? Pick a lane. Pick a lane. <laughs> I'm like, I think I had, I think I had a sweet 16 party. It was just like my high school friends and my family in my backyard. I wore like a pretty dress that had like a big like tutu vibes. I was in my ballet era back then. So that was cute, but I need more attention, I guess. So I still want a wedding. Because weddings are just, there's, I don't know. There's such fun vibes. You're literally celebrating Love. What what a beautiful love and union like, why don't, and like the formation yeah. of like this new family. And yeah. okay, one of the speeches at the wedding was so fucking cute because um the the groom's sister was talking mostly in her speech, she was talking only basically about the bride, not about the, her brother. And at mm-hmm. the end of the speech, she was like I'm just so happy that, like, I gained her as a sister. I love her so much. And I'm just so happy for, like, the three of our lives together from now on or something like that. And I just thought it was so funny. But I was like, oh, my God, that's so, like, true. Like, you know, you don't just gain, like, a husband or a a wife. Like, you gain, like, this entire, like, family and community. Yeah, for better or for worse. Seriously, ooh. (laughs) That's the, I mean, that kind of goes with our, our, topic today which is depending on <laughs> who your family is yeah. your life can suck I don't know I guess that's not really it's not a really good segue but you know what I'm doing my best I think so Alondra, right. what are we talking <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> well tell us what we're talking about today then so today we are going to talk about individualists versus collective cultures um and why did we pick this topic to talk about so I feel like for me this topic just kind of kept coming up in my life and I just thought it would be really interesting you know especially for me coming from the United States and really only I mean I was born and raised in the U.S. you come from you were born and raised in the U.S. too but you have a different background than me so for me I was really thinking about how individualistic I am not in like a oh I'm such an egocentric person whatever but more just how I'm always thinking about myself (laughs) and like self-centeredness but not in like a not in like a bad way I don't know how to explain it and thinking about how that affects my psyche and my mental health just because I think it's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves um, on the individual within individualist countries and so I just kind of wanted to explore that a little bit but especially with you Alondra because you do kind of come from both a collectivist and an individualist culture so 
I don't know. I feel like for you, especially, this is an interesting or for both of us to have this conversation at all. It's just it's fun because. Yeah, no, I. Yeah, I agree. I feel like um, initially when when you kind of mentioned this topic to me and, you know, mentioned talking, doing an episode about it, I was kind of like, well, shit, I'm going to have to do a lot of research because what do I know about this topic? But then, yeah, the more I got to thinking and the more I got to like really seeing, okay, individualist versus collective, I started realizing that this is something that I'm constantly aware of as well. Mm -hmm. It does play like a huge impact on my life that although I was raised in the US and I have this like background where in society, at least around me, it's very like important to be individualist. It's very important to kind of put yourself first and like just above like, I guess, kind of everything else (laughs) yeah I mean yeah put yourself above everything else and focus on your goals and your success and whatever basically like the the world revolves around you I feel like that's how a lot of Americans feel Mm -hmm. um and but also I was raised in a family like my parents are immigrants from Mexico so I'm first generation so I was raised by a family that is definitely more collectivist thinking and more like a collectivist culture um so they taught me that you know no you're not the most important get off that horse bitch um, <laughs> they pushed you, you are off not... the horse yeah they boom they freaking whacked me off of there and they were like no sorry miss girl you serve us and you know <laughs> we are for the community for the family whatever benefits all of us like you are not the most important miss girl over here mm-hmm. so I definitely feel like that's always been like a conflicting struggle for me. Think whether I should be like trying to be more individualist or whether I should be, you know, more collectivist thinking and like worried about people around me. Yeah. So for those who don't know what individualism is versus collectivism. So in 1980, Dutch social social psychologist Gert Hofstede, sorry for that pronunciation if it was bad for, or Geert? Gert, Gert, anyway, Gertie <laughs> claims that individualism is when people in a collective society focus on rights above duties, a concern or concern for oneself and immediate family, an emphasis on personal autonomy and self fulfillment, and basing one's identity on one's personal accomplishments. So then collectivism would be the opposite of that, you know, putting your duties above your own um, individual rights being concerned not only for your immediate family, but your extended family and also your society around you. And then an emphasis on working together and cooperation in order to make everybody else have a better environment or feel safer, whatever the the goal is, just to make living conditions better for everyone around you. So those are kind of the two opposite philosophies as we know, in the United States, individualism is, it reigns supreme, although in cases like yours, Alondra, there are a lot of families who come from collectivist cultures and do kind of practice more collectivist behaviors. But according to like this study that they did in the 80s, where they basically created this test to see whether or not a society was <laughs> individualistic, and I, the highest you could score on individualistic was 100. The U.S., and this is representing the kind of quote-unquote mainstream, white, you know, middle, upper middle class, predominantly like straight male kind of vibe and what they they valued in their cultures. They got 91 out of 100. (laughs) Jesus, that's a lot. So the U.S. is like the most individualistic country they're like shut up i don't i'm talking i am talking (laughs) me and i am different than you don't forget it (laughs) i am better i'm better and i'm more special (laughs) so it feels so literally the u.s is like the most collect nope the most individualist country um and i think it really shows i mean just look at the pandemic you know people could not put on a mask or get a vaccine without shutting the fuck up and like complaining all day long about how their rights were being taken away when you know to me it seemed obvious that of course when you're facing an emergency you're gonna have to lose some of your rights a little bit i'm oh to for like the greater goal of oh we don't have this disease that we're like 
hiding from basically anymore. But that's like a perfect example of how we really value our own personal individual rights over kind of like everybody else. The community. The community. Yeah, literally the entire rest of the U.S. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, what's interesting too is like from my perspective, coming from a very individualistic family, I see Mm -hmm. a lot of the benefits I think it's really easy for me, especially as, like, a leftist, to be, like, everything about the U.S. sucks. Like, we're we're always doing everything wrong. Like, it's all bad. I'm trying to look at it in a much more balanced, nuanced way, which is there's good and bad things on both sides. Mm -hmm. And so the good stuff with being having a more individualistic culture is just, I mean, the goal is always self-actualization for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. it kind of focuses makes you focus on like how am I going to make myself better how am I always kind of improving and what can I do to like you know further my goals and whatnot and I mean for someone who's thought that way her whole life I I think that's a good I think those are important to think about but at the same time I don't know it's important to keep other people in mind and I don't I just see a lot of like in the U.S. uh the way we treat older people and it's kind of almost like we just put them somewhere else and it's like well it's not my job to take care of them like it's their fault for getting old it's their fault for getting dementia so yeah and it almost like a lack of like oh but I'm not gonna stop my life to go take care of them I don't know I think I'm at this point in my life where I'm really trying to evaluate what I've been learning my whole life kind of my education thus far and trying to relearn things that I didn't learn, like, oh, you should drop everything for to help a family member, because that's kind of not mm-hmm. what I was taught. Kind of like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, for instance, with you and your, <laughs> should we tell them about the tire slashing? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> not, not clickbait. A lot of tires got slashed up. Ah! It's still traumatic for me. I don't know if I can talk about this without crying. I'm just kidding. No, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. It is one of the our country's biggest unsolved mysteries of our time. We don't know what happened. The detectives are still on the case they're as we on speak. It. Yeah, they're working night and day to solve this one for us. <laughs> but basically, Alondra came over and she, it was like, what, seven hours that this... A seven-hour window within which this could have been done. Yeah, no, because we got to your house super late. I think we got there, like, past midnight or something crazy like that. And then went to bed, woke up early as fuck to go to Tahoe. And it was, like, probably six thirty seven. Yeah, just a few hours. The world should be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody was awake no. that night. Yeah. <laughs> One was awake. And so, yeah, somebody, and then we were leaving the next morning in my car, and we drove past the launch's car. And I was like, someone stabbed my wheels? Like, what? Are, are all of my wheels flat? They're like fully deflated. They look like yeah, liquid. Yeah, just like on the ground. The, the like rim or whatever was like touching the floor. And. Well, what could we do? Nothing. So we just drove away. So we drove <laughs> but... away. But this is like the perfect example of like my family, which is definitely more individualist versus yours. Mm-hmm. So you, you what? You called your parents and were like, hey, yeah, someone flashed no. my tires. So it was so funny too, because I remember like you and Liz, Liz is also a white girl. Sorry, Liz. I don't want to mean, mean to be exposing Sorry. you. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to talk exposing about you Exposing you for being white. <laughs> Anyway, whatever. You know what I mean. It's our biggest Um, flaw. But I feel like that just, like, shows, like, me coming from, like, Mexican, you know, whatever. And, like, the type of community I come from versus, like, you guys that come from, like, American. You white bitches. Whatever. You know what I mean. I'm just, I'm not trying to, you know, No, I'm just, (laughs) I'm, like, putting you in boiling water. You're like, "Ah!" like, That's not what I'm saying. Anyway. Sorry. So, you guys, I feel like Liz, too, like, especially, we're, we're like, freaking out. Like, what are you going to do? Oh, my God. Like, you know, how are you going to, what, uh, but, like, I feel like you guys were kind of, like, especially Liz was, like, pushing me to, like, figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, we just started the vacation. We just got to Tahoe. We have, like, you know, four days here or whatever. I'm not thinking about the tires right now. Why? Because in the back of my mind, I knew, like, my family's gonna, like, probably fix this for me, or (laughs) they're gonna, like, figure it out while I'm over here. And I only contacted my parents, like, I think the first night or second night, because, because I was, like, feeling the pressure from, like, my 
like Liz and just like you guys like being like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I was like, fine, let me call them, whatever. And so I called them and I'm like, hey, um, so this happened and I don't really know what I'm going to do. Uh, and my parents were like, oh my God, why didn't you tell us yesterday? We would have gone last night, but it's okay. We can go before you get there. And I was like, okay. And they're like, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll get it done and like figure it out before you ha- you come back. So that way you can drive home with your tires. And then I feel like, yeah, Which, you, your I mom, like, everybody was shocked. Yeah, no, we were, we were too sun to speak. I mean, also <laughs> important to note, I live about an hour and a half to two hours oh, yeah. away from Alondra. So it's not like, oh, yeah, they're just coming over there. Just like a 10-minute drive, quick and easy. No. no. It was, they had to drive all the way through Los Angeles. And the traffic was horrible. The, they told yeah. me it took like two and a half hours to get to your house. They suffered. They suffered yeah. big time. For yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. As and they should. As they should. Honestly. <laughs> They've been as suffering they because of you ever since you were born. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and then it's funny because my mom was like, I love you so much, but I would have just told you to call AAA. Like, there's no way I would have driven that far to go fix something. And it's not even like they came to help you fix it. They came, took care of it before we came back from the trip so that you had no issue driving home after that. I got there. I found the car in pristine condition. Slash tires? What? What are you talking about? That never happened. I don't know her. (laughs) (laughs) My parents were to the rescue. No, they really really slayed for that. So Mm -hmm. for you, from your perspective, growing up in kind of both you know individualist and collectivist cultures you kind of you more than anyone I feel like get to kind of see the best of both worlds okay so I definitely feel like I have seen both sides I don't know if I have a specific leaning or preference for either one because I definitely feel like they both have their pros and cons um living in this society living in like America and you know it being extremely individualist I have always felt like from my peers and from just like the world around me that the way to success is like or I guess a marker of success is separating myself from my family getting my own place Mm -hmm. having my own things having my own money like all of these things right but that's not what it is in Mexico so it's always been like super conflicting for me chasing after these things like you know moving out of my parents house and stuff like that and having that support from my friends and my peers and being like and them just being so proud of me and being so excited oh my god this is so amazing I can't believe you moved out Uh, like that's such a big step wow and then on the other hand getting from my parents that why would you do this who do you think you are why would you ever want to leave your family this doesn't make any sense because uh, on on the side of my parents like and and their and my family in Mexico and stuff like that like our whole kind of purpose is like to benefit the community and to mm-hmm. rise together and to always be like this joint group that you know you do everything for your parents i've had this conversation with my cousin brian a few times because our parents shout out to brian, out to we're, brian. we're giving a I'm lot just really of like today. i'm just really exposing them hoes out here anyway yeah you are <laughs> um so yeah no i've had this conversation with him multiple times that our parents like expect so much from us and they expect us to drop anything like just at any t- moment to do whatever they need you know he had to you know come live in the u.s for a while and like basically put his life on hold at some point for his parents and I definitely have put have done that as well I was telling you that story about when I was in middle school and my mom um had to get surgery she pulled me out of school for two months because she was like I need you home with me to like take care of me and that was perfectly fine in her eyes except my friends and like my people at school were like where the hell are you like why aren't you at school um because they didn't understand like that's just the way things happen in our family and that's the way things like happen in my like community um I do feel like there are benefits of each one I feel like because I was raised in America and because I have that influence of like more of an individualist society, I have definitely set more boundaries, which has been a lot more beneficial to my mental health. Because I feel like in the collectivist culture, you definitely, it's always like, you know, what's the benefit of like the the group in general? 
it doesn't matter necessarily what your personal beliefs are as long as you're going along with what everybody wants. And that doesn't, mm-hmm. al- that's not always a good thing. You know, sometimes you're put in compromising situations where you have to support someone that you don't necessarily agree with or, you know, do things that you don't necessarily want to do. And that definitely puts, it's like, are you going to betray your family? Are you going to betray your community and like do these like things that you want to do? Or are you going to like stand with the pack? Because Mm -hmm. that's what you're supposed to do. And I feel like because I've lived in America and like have this, you know, influence, I've been able to kind of put my foot down and set those boundaries with my parents. Now, as I've gotten older and with my family that, you know what? No, I'm not going to put my life on hold. And you know what? No, I'm not going to, you know, do these things or support these people or like whatever, just because you say so. Like, I want to do what I believe in. Yes, I love you guys. At the end of the day, I'm always going to love you guys. I'm always going to be there for you, anything you need, whatever. But I'm not going to like put my personal views and my personal kind of stance on the line or like contradict what I might, you know, be a hypocrite and like go against my beliefs just because you want me to or just because like I'm supposed to in your eyes. I I feel like that's really benefit me, but I know a lot of people in the Mexican community and like, you know, in collectivist communities in general that don't have that that option like that's not that doesn't even cross Mm -hmm. their mind like oh I can put my foot down I can set boundaries like no that's not an option Mm -hmm. and you feel so trapped I feel like you feel really I feel like it's kind of it's kind of isolating it's kind of scary because although you're part of this community you you have like this voice that you can't like let out like you feel like you're just not being true Mm -hmm. to like your real beliefs but on the other hand I feel like having that community and always having that undeniable support and love and no matter what like those people are going to be there for you in that situation where my tires were slashed I didn't trip because my family was going to be there for me I knew that like without even second guessing I know that no matter Mm -hmm. what like I have like something to lean on and something to come back to and I know a lot of my friends that were raised in American families don't have that a lot of my friends you know when they're 18 all right, where are you going to live now? Or yeah, things like that. Like, I don't like, you got to figure it out because you're an adult now. And it's like baffling to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because yeah, I've I, never experienced that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from my perspective, it does feel not that my parents are even really like the most, oh, you have to go do this all on your own. You have to learn, you know, you just have to like jump out of the nest and learn blah, blah, blah. But I do think there's, like psychologically just always oh it's all up to me like it's all on me everything my survival my my success my happiness in life like every single thing that's important is dependent on me and this is just what I've been thinking about lately too it's just that's such a hard load and for all of it to be on you none of that weight none of that burden is distributed amongst you know other people it is a little bit you know you talk about your struggles with your friends and your family if you're lucky but it's not like you know I when um researching this episode I saw there was a case of a woman in Japan who quit or like took a break from her master's degree just to go help her friend who was going through an emotionally distressing time she was like well I have to be here for my friend and that, that was just such a crazy little story to me because it, it goes, I didn't realize that in collectivist countries, I mean, of course, the but I'm just not from a country like that or a culture like that, mm-hmm. but how how far the, how far people will go to help not only just their family, but their friends too. It's like, we're all in this life together, which mm-hmm. is personally how I see it spiritually. And this is why I'm kind of trying to reevaluate how I want to live my life and not necessarily just go with the individualistic tendencies that I've been taught, the behavior patterns that I've been taught. Mm -hmm. Because one, I just think it's so stressful ultimately to think, and it's very isolating to think I'm on my own uh, and I have, I don't know, it's kind of, I'm, it, I don't know. It's just, it's so much nicer to think, oh, well, if anything happens, like I know my family's going to always, like they'll never let anything bad happen to me, you know? And I think maybe that has a lot to do with how many homeless people we have in the in our country, you know, like it is very much kind of like pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, figure it out yourself. And like, that's obviously reflected in our government's policies, you know, just really like, mm-hmm. go fuck yourself. But I think it shows 
in our society, like we're we're not taking care of each other as much as maybe I would like to see. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's really stressful. I mean, I think our generation were more mentally ill <laughs> than ever. I mean, I don't know if that's true. I'm sure those bitches were mentally ill back in like World War One, World War Two times, but they just didn't maybe like categorize it as much i think it wasn't socially acceptable (laughs) yeah well i feel like they were all mentally ill they just didn't call it that because you know people were running around crazy as fuck doing depressed imagine (laughs) going to war you think you wouldn't have anxiety you think you would not have an anxiety disorder i would and just like hearing um just like i feel like also because for example now like things like abuse like child abuse like spousal abuse things like that those things are, like, kind of not tolerated now, like, especially, like, in America, things like that. Mm-hmm. But back then, that was run-of-the-day stuff. Like, that was normal. Like, mm-hmm. stuff like that happened all the time. So, of course, people were mentally ill. <laughs> like, if you're beating on your wife or you're allowing yourself to be beat on, there's yeah. something going wrong. No, we know you um, guys were sick. <laughs> so wrong. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, certain things are not okay now that used to be, I guess, okay. So, yeah. You know, we have progressed, but we're also aware that, you know, if things like this are happening, there's it's because something's wrong, mm-hmm. like, up here. Yeah. But anyway, back to the mental illness. Yeah, what of, were we talking about? We're talking anyway. <laughs> the mental illness that comes along with living in mm-hmm. an individualistic society. Well, I also think it must be particularly hard for to be in a position like yours, Alondra, because mm-hmm. I know I had a friend when I was in Paris who... Her family was from Algeria and Morocco, but she herself was born and raised in Paris. So she kind of had, like, the French individualistic vibes, but then she also had, you know, her background with her family. And she, I think, was 26 or 27, and she was still living with her family, and she really wanted to move out, but she was like, I can't. Like, my family will, like, disown me. They won't talk to me anymore mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. They're, they would say, oh, do you know how bad that looks? Do you know what people are going to think you're doing because you're out mm-hmm. just living your life? Like, you need to think about us when you're making your decisions. And mm-hmm. to my American individualistic kind of, like, self, when she told me that, I was like, what? Your family's crazy. Yeah. Why are they doing that? Yeah. And I was just like, that's so fucked up, you know? Yeah. But it's more nuanced yeah. than that. But I think that's kind of like the good and the bad, right? You, The good is, you know, she was always taken care of. Her. It was really nice whenever I'd go visit her family because they basically acted like I was another member of the house. They're like, oh, do you, you want to sleep over? I know it's kind of late. And like, you don't want to take the metro back at night. Or like, oh, like I just came over a couple hours before dinner. Oh, are you staying? Yeah, we'll make dinner for you too. Like it's really no issue. So it's very kind of like people are there helping they want to share and they want to support and like do it that way but they're not necessarily always going to be happy when you're not conforming to what they want you to be which is you know that happens in our society too every there are a lot of people who are conforming to certain ideas in our society but i think especially in the u.s there's kind of like a certain specialness about being unique And we really see being unique and being, like, the one person who was able to do this one thing all by themselves. And they're just so special. Like, we really value that. So, at the same time, we're Mm kind of, like, probably more open-minded to people just Mm -hmm. and how they want to live their lives. And being more like, well, why are you judging them so much? It's their life, you know. Whereas maybe in those kinds of more collectivist communities, there's more judging and less asking why are we judging it's like of course why mm-hmm. wouldn't we judge give me one reason not to judge you <laughs> that's our job that's our job it's like no yeah around. yeah no I feel like I can definitely relate to that story about your friend because for me like I mean when I moved out I mean it was like a, a bad situation that like led for me to move out you know I felt like I was really meeting my breaking point like in the relationship and like the situation that was happening with my family However, I feel like the just the basic fact that I moved out was like this huge slap in the face to my parents. And it's so crazy. It's crazy. Like you mm-hmm. said, thinking, you know, something that I feel so proud about and so accomplished. Oh, my God, I'm an adult. I can afford to live on my own. Yeah, I have roommates. But like, holy shit, like I did this great thing that I feel so proud and so like amazing about but my family is so hurt Mm -hmm. (laughs) like 
my dad, I feel like my dad, my relationship with my dad changed. My relationship with my mom changed. My parents, I have never seen my parents feel so betrayed by me. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't understand. Like, I, I did something good. You know, I did something that you guys should be proud of. I did something that is is good is good for me is it's good for us it's good for our relationship and it definitely was I feel like having that separation being able to talk when we're good and not always being around each other to like get on each other's nerves and whatever judge each other things like that was so good for our relationship however they didn't see it as a good thing especially initially and I know when I went to Mexico the first time after moving out and I talked to my family my parents hadn't even mentioned it to any of my uncles or aunts or anybody And so when they're like, you know, how is everything, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, it's great. I moved out. They were like, whoa, what do you mean? Why'd you move out? And I was like, well, because what do you mean? Like, you know, I I feel like they kind of knew that there was tension. But I was like, you know, like, it's a good thing. I'm happy. You know, I want to be independent, closer to work with my friends, whatever. They were all like, is something wrong? Why would you do that? This isn't like what you're. They just didn't understand, especially, like, I think mostly because I am a girl, like, I'm a female, and that's just, like, no. In the Mexican community, like, girls are taken care of by their family until, you know, they get married. And that's what my parents, like, also believed. I feel like growing up, I always heard that, like, you're not going to move out or you're not going to be on your own until you're married. Mm-hmm. And then I I would always think to myself, what if I don't get married? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to live here forever <laughs> with you guys. Hey, uh, I'm like in the basement at 40. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, so it was like very, like, like you said, it, I don't think it was as intense as like, oh, like, you know, you're a disgrace to the family or like, like you're shunned or anything like that. But it was definitely a blow to my parents. And it definitely, I feel like my, the rest of my family my uncles, my aunts, all of that were low key, like judging my parents for being like, why'd you let her do this? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, you guys didn't do your job if she's feeling like she needs to leave. Mm-hmm. Like, she needs to, like, she needs to feel like she needs to stay and she needs to be happy in her home because that's the way this works. I mean, I agree with that. She does feel, <laughs> need, she needs to be happy in her home. God damn it. She does. <laughs> I wish they do remembered it. that part of the rule <laughs> more. I mean, I feel like now, okay, since I have moved back to an audience, <laughs> I have moved back to in um update um I feel like it definitely has changed our relationship I feel like my parents are more like we don't want we want you to be happy we don't want to bother you as much like before it was like I was on call at all times like constantly having to help my parents being like you know immigrants don't they don't Mm -hmm. their native language is Spanish I'm constantly having to like translate things for them like you know help them with different things and although they speak some you know English they they aren't like a hundred thousand percent fluent so I do help them a lot and I do a lot for them. Um, But before I moved out and before, like, I think the boundaries were set, it was like I constantly had to be available. It didn't matter what I was doing. I had to drop everything at any point to help my parents and to do whatever it was. Um, I don't feel like I really had that much of a childhood because I was constantly being, like, taking care of my parents and going to doctor's appointments with them and going to the bank with them and, and having these adult conversations because, like as a part of the family, like, this was my job, you know, mm-hmm. being there to help the family. But after I moved out, I was like, no, this is a boundary now. And mm-hmm. I need to protect myself. I need to put myself first a little bit, just a little bit. I'm still going to help my parents. I'm still going to be there. But I need to, like, prioritize my mental health and my sanity. And if I'm tired as hell at the end of the day of work, and I just want to lay in bed and take a breath, and I don't want to help you, you know, send texts or what read the mail that you the letter in the mail that you got or whatever, then that has to be something that you have to respect. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my parents are now more open to that because they're afraid to like lose me, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it, it definitely like is a step forward. But I mean, it's always going to be a work in progress, I feel, because they come from the culture that they come from. It's it's never going to be perfect. But I also like, I also feel so happy knowing that, you know, while I'm always having to be there for them, they're always there for me too. And I don't have to worry. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like ever have to worry that much. I'm always like, everything will be okay. I have my family. I have my support. 
I have, like, even I feel like sometimes with my friends, like, I feel that way too, because I'm like, we're a community, you know, like, with you, with other mm-hmm. people, like, I know you guys have my back. Maybe not the way that my family does, because theirs is, like, undying support, <laughs> like, undeniable, like, yeah. rider motherfucking died, like, literally. <laughs> but, I mean, I feel like we all benefit from having, like, some kind of support system. We all, like, seek those people out in our lives that are going to make us feel like they're always going to be there for us. They're always going to support us. And that's really, like, it, it adds so much to your life. Yeah. So between the two, I guess, what parts of the two philosophies are you trying to, like, keep or let go of or, Mm -hmm. you know, increase more of? Like, for me, I know I want to have an intergenerational household if I do have kids one day. Mm -hmm. I mean, that has been the plan since I was, like, in high school, honestly. I was like, I'm not raising kids by myself. I mean, obviously, theoretically, I'd have a partner, but even I'm like that doesn't count. <laughs> like I am mom, you're moving your ass in. Maybe we'll get like somebody, my dad to be our neighbor something like that, because I'm not doing this by myself. So I actually interviewed my friend who moved from China to France. She lives in Paris now. Uh, and about what it was like growing up in a collectivist country versus moving to an individualist country. And one of the things that she said that she noticed about families in China versus in France is that when a couple gets married and especially if they, you know if the woman becomes pregnant the person becomes pregnant um then they it is expected that the parents are going to move pretty much like right next to them or somewhere nearby so that they will help raise the child and that within the child's first few years of life and well honestly probably their whole childhood it's expected that the parents and the grandparents are spending a lot of time with the kids and you know you're kind of you're just you're take you're like living your lives together more and i think that's something i'm that's really important to me especially cuz i'm i'm so lucky to have a good relationship with my family but that was another thing that uh, my friend chen was saying is that when you're in a collectivist culture if you love your family and friends if you get along with them well and, and they don't necessarily they're not like not accepting you for who you are or something like that then it can be great then you have a whole group of people who are just loving you and who you love in return But if you have a situation where maybe they don't want you to be your most authentic self or maybe you just really don't get along with them for whatever reason, they're maybe not so emotionally mature and can be a little abusive at times, then you're kind of like, fuck, dude, now I'm stuck in this where my whole life is about these hoes and I don't even like them. And I just think, yeah, it's really, I don't know. So I'm, I'm trying to like... Because I have a family that I like, I'm like, okay, you guys can be my whole personality now. I'm totally okay with that. You know, I'm okay with us living our lives together. So I guess for me, yeah, mm-hmm. that's one a big one is I wanna I wanna have an intergenerational household because I just think it's I just mm-hmm. think it's beneficial for everyone. But yeah, what about mm-hmm. you? What do you what do you like and what do you don't not like? Yeah, I feel like I I do like that aspect, the intergenerational household as well. I don't feel like I would want my parents living with me until they need to Mm -hmm. (laughs) necessarily so like you know if they get to an older age and they I feel like we need our space from each other but if they get to a point where they need me they can't live on their own anymore of course like I'm gonna be there you know they did so much for me and now it's my turn um I definitely feel like I believe in that as well um also like how you were talking about earlier about like the homeless and stuff like that I feel like it is so sad that in the U.S., you know, that's not our problem. Yeah. And we didn't, you know, get you there and we're not going to pay extra taxes and we're not going to house you and we're not going to do this and that. I think that's fucked it's up. Like, wh- <laughs> I it's think- like, why is that my job to help you? It's like, because we're all in this together. Like, I don't we're know how, together. I don't know how, like, even if you want to ignore the homeless person who lives on your sidewalk as much as you can like you are literally still their neighbor you literally live in close pro- close proximity whether you want to admit it or not like we're literally i don't know i like also i was looking up um you know other collectivist cultures and uh kind of beliefs about like self-hatred and stuff and mm-hmm. i saw that when the dalai lama from tibet was asked how he handles self-hatred he was like genuinely confused and struggled to understand what it was and like had to talk to his translator about it for like 15 minutes because he's like what i don't i don't (laughs) fucking get it and i'm like first of all need that 
brain would love to have a brain like that because that is just not mm-hmm. my experience. But I mean, mm-hmm. Tibet is a collectivist and predominantly Buddhist country. So, mm-hmm. I mean, from what I've gathered from Buddhist teachings, Buddhism mainly is just always showing us how we are all deeply interconnected to each other and to our environment. Every single decision mm-hmm. that we make has an effect on our world. Just even like smiling and saying hello to a neighbor could make their day or like punching them in the mm-hmm. face could <laughs> unmake their day. You know, every single mm-hmm. time we take a breath, we are literally changing the chemical makeup of the air around us. Like we are, you cannot mm-hmm. separate us from our environment, us from our community. So I just think like, I don't know. It makes me feel so much better to think, oh, I, I'm a part of a much bigger system and I'm I'm a part of this humanity. It's like all of humanity are my brothers and sisters. Not to like say that in yeah. like annoying way, but you know, we really are. And it's, it's, I think it takes a lot of the pressure off of me to think, oh, I'm serving humanity like we're all working together what's my little role in helping us all out versus like it's my job to become this amazing person and be like the egoic thinking that we have in this country it's honestly exhausting no i feel like i don't think it's beneficial no i agree completely i feel like that's so funny i didn't even think about that before you said the self-hatred thing but i feel like I completely agree. When I was younger and I had those ideas of like, you know, self-hatred, oh my God, comparing myself to others, um, you know, I suck compared to this person or I don't do this thing as well as this person or I don't do it better than these people, whatever. That was like that like self-hatred kind of growing in me at, at like a young age. And then mm-hmm. when I would put myself in a place where I do so much for my family, I am so freaking mm-hmm. capable. I am so smart. I help so many people. I literally always think, what would these people do without me? And it like boosts my (laughs) confidence so much. And I don't have those thoughts as much when I feel that way. So Mm -hmm. that's so interesting that you just said that because I've definitely felt that way. Like you kind of like appreciate yourself more because you know, you you see the direct impact. Because you're a part of something else. Yeah, you see the direct impact that your actions, your words, like everything you do makes on other people's lives where if you're only focusing on yourself you're only focusing on like do better bitch like you're not doing enough ever yeah and then also like if you're only focusing on yourself then it's like only your successes make you happy only Mm -hmm. your you know but when you're in it with everyone it's like everyone else's successes make you happy it's just i don't know Mm -hmm. i think for me yeah i always wonder like psychologically where i would be and how i would feel about myself and i don't know if wasn't a if i saw myself as more of a part of a larger community and it's like i i see that it's like intellectually i see that and i want to believe that i am a part of a bigger system and i am i have a really important role in society and so does everyone but at the same time, because I was kind of raised with this, like, everyone's out for themselves, everyone's competitive. I feel like I'm, like, I'm fighting what I was, like, again, my education, what I was raised, you know, to believe about the world and how it works versus how I actually see it now, now that I'm an adult and I'm kind of able to make these decisions for myself. It's like, I want to think about, you know, how much I love my family, how connected I am to everyone is, how how connected to everyone I am. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like, if a family member texts me and says, like, can I call you? I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. Like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Like, now I have to, like, be a participating family member. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now I have to go do something. And I still have, like, that anxiety. But I'm like, no, bitch, like, move in the direction of connection. Come on, like, just go, just go <laughs> do the thing for your family member because you know it'll make you feel better. And it always makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of like, it's like almost like I have a, oh, shit, now that's my responsibility? Why is that my responsibility? And I'm like, ah, get that voice out of here. Like, I mm-hmm. want the responsibility. I want to be a part of, you know my family and friends lives and making it better and trying to just show up more when I'm not necessarily planning on doing it or expecting it and just kind of like just be willing to show up for everyone that I love yeah I feel like it it definitely like deepens your connections it really shows like the love and the care that you have for people I don't know I feel like it's a great thing yeah I mean Chen was saying that too it's just 
um, in China, she said she feels like so close with her family and friends and it's just so easy to kind of make friends because you're already in the, we're on the same team kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think in the US and I mean, probably other individualistic countries as well, but I just think it's always like, it's always a competition. It's always like, okay, mm-hmm. what are you going to provide for me? You know, in individualist countries, relationships tend to be more like quid pro quo, because you're always mm-hmm. thinking about how is this going to get me to where I'm going? Because again, it's always like me, 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 me. And I just mm-hmm. think like how it's it's a lot harder to build a, a strong foundation of a beautiful, mutually beneficial relationship if you're always thinking, what is this person going to provide for me instead of just showing up for that person? Because that's, cause they're a person and they need you. Anyway, so I think neither philosophy is better than the other. I think, obviously, as we talked about, there are definitely pros and cons to both. It's just about trying to be mindful about finding a balance in which, mm-hmm. I guess, characteristics and behaviors work more for you in your life. I agree. I feel like it's important to have a balance of both. I feel like once I kind of developed that that idea of it's okay to be a little individualist and a little bit selfish sometimes and put my mental health and my being first and like my boundaries up but also still be there for my family and know and know that I'm supporting them and know that they can count on me and I can count on them I feel like that's such a happy medium and I don't want to be one or the other I want to be right in the middle yeah at least for me yeah, yeah I, I can feel like everything is about finding the perfect balance and mm-hmm. you know this topic is absolutely no exception to the rule balance just like the buddhists um, say i'm telling you buddhists yeah. are fucking on to this shit they know what they're talking about they know what they're saying and i mm-hmm. appreciate them for saying it but I'm if you right there with you and you're right there with me So thank you guys for listening. This was so fun for us to chat about this with you guys today. And if you guys want to share anything about your childhood, if you grew up in an individualistic or um, collectivist society, if you're from a country other than the U.S. and want to share your experience of what that was like or, you know, we would love to hear it. So you can Mm -hmm. email us at culturallyconsciouspod at gmail.com. Yes, um, please send us your little stories or anything you want to tell us. If you have questions for us, if you have uh, topics that you want us to talk about, anything like that. Um, you can also find us on our Instagram. It's at Culturally Conscious Pod and we post our updates there. We post silly little pictures of ourselves and you can always connect with us on that. You can also follow us on our Patreon if you want. And Yes, um, and you want to. You want to you real want bad. To. We know. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be posting bonus episodes on there. Um, so we far, already, there are two. Yeah, we have two bonus episodes. One is in English and one is in French. So if you are maybe learning French and want to listen to two non-native speakers speak to each other, as I mentioned before, I interviewed my friend Chen about what it was like to move from China to France. So it's super fun. And as always... You know, it's it was so scary for me to do it because it's so scary to, like, record <laughs> yourself in your non-native language and, like, have mm-hmm. proof of when you make grammatical errors. But I was like, you know what? This is not only good for me, but it's good for other people to hear me make mistakes because I'd be making a lot of mistakes. But it always helps me to hear non-native speakers just boldly do what they want in the their target language because it reminds me that that's how you learn. And there's no shame in making a few errors. <laughs> I feel like being bilingual or being any kind of lingual is a superpower. So <laughs> the fact that you even That's true. put yourself out there. Yeah. I'm very proud any of Any form of lingual. Thank you so much. <laughs> so thank you again for listening. We really appreciate all of your guys' love, your support, your feedback. You guys are honestly the mm-hmm. best. And we're just excited to keep bringing you more episodes. <sighs> We're so excited. I feel like we have a lot of very fun ex- episodes and very like interesting episodes coming up soon. We're really trying to put our whole entire pussies into this. <laughs> so Yeah. Oh, my pussy has been put into this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my pussy has left my body and it belongs to you guys now. <laughs> yeah, literally. Just just be kind. Yeah. Oh, and don't forget also <laughs> What? After the pussy comment, don't forget to leave us a five-star oh, review. 
Uh, duh, five stars. This is a five star pussy only. Yeah, podcast. don't even dare. Don't if you don't think it's five stars, don't step dare. away. Don't even don't don't. Yeah, wait. Just don't. Yeah, why don't you just <laughs> shut up? How about that? <laughs> or please also leave us a review yeah. on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us mm-hmm. out, and we know you guys love and support us. So we just we love you guys for that. So mm-hmm. thank you again for everything y'all do. I think we gotta say. Au revoir. Au revoir. Adios. <laughs> Adios and bye. bye. And oh, oh. Auf Wiedersehen. How could I forget the Germans? <laughs> Sorry. Um, es tut mir leid. Okay, bye, bye. guys.